Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Welcome, welcome. Thursday afternoon, it is Fresh Thinking time. Great, great, great to be with you. I hope you're having a good week and a successful week and everybody's in good health. Those are the important things, obviously. And here we are, another week wrapping itself up, which means that it's time for us to reflect, to talk, to delve. And as we do in this segment of time, to think about things from a fresh perspective. So you ready for that? You've got your fresh glasses on? Because that's what we're going to need. I'm going to, you know, we, we like the interaction. We like the conversation. There's always fascinating insight that comes through on this show in this segment. So let part of that be yours. I would love to hear from you. Just before we get started, here are the rules of the game. You share your thoughts, and uh, I'll then get to share your thoughts on air. So you share them with me via text. You can use the SMS line, 34519. You can use the um, the what, uh, not WhatsApp, the Telegram account. You can use 0618951019. Otherwise, there is always social media, which is highly, highly popular with a fresh-thinking crowd. So you can find me or you can find Chai FM on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And that's where we'll take your comments, your insights, your suggestions, your issues that you wish to raise, I have an issue, I have an issue to raise, to propose, to ask, I, I don't know if it's safe to say it, so you've got to be careful what you say, let's not talk as if we're in a post-COVID environment, because we're not quite there yet, but there's something that's come up quite a lot in conversation over the last few days, possibly even over the last couple of weeks, and that is the question of control, and, and I'll tell you why it's a question, it's because there was a time where we were told what to do. We were in lockdown level five. Everybody told us, this is what you have to do. You have to stay in your house. Don't go out unless you have uh, something urgent. You've got to go to the shops or whatever the case is. Now we're in lockdown level one. So no one's really telling us what to do, right? No one's really telling us what to do. And you get two very different responses. You get those people who jump at this and say, yes, this whole thing was crazy and everybody overreacted and we're adults and we should know how we should be allowed to run our own lives. And now we're out and we're doing and we're going and we're uh, participating. And thank God everybody's come to their senses. And then you get other people who are like, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Are we getting ahead of ourselves? Let's just be cautious. Maybe it's a lull. Maybe there's more to come. Maybe there's another storm. And we start trying to control the outcome. So there's an accusation of others trying to control our lives, governments trying to control our lives, telling me what time I have to be home at night, to telling me where I may or may not go and if I have to wear a mask. And, and, and yet, on the other hand, the minute that control is given back to us, raises a whole set of different questions. What can I control? Do I have the power? I had such a fascinating conversation about this just yesterday with a group of people. Do I have the power to control? So let's say, let's use an example that's probably extremely relevant in our community at the moment. The adult population in our community is mostly vaccinated. The teenage population is mostly not. But the teenage population wants to get out there, have a good time, engage, socialize, meet people. I mean, let's be honest. If if we were still that age, we would also be pulling at the bit after all the restrictions that we had been through for a period of 18 months. 
And then you get people who are really nervous. Obviously, there's some people that say, yes, go, have a good time. And other people are really nervous. Do I want my kids out there? What if they're exposed? What if they pick up the virus? What if they infect somebody else? And we're trying so hard to control outcomes. So my question to you to launch today's conversation is, on the whole, the experience of COVID, on the whole, do you feel that it has humbled us as people to realize that we are not in control? And perhaps the argument for that would be, well, we didn't see this coming. It was a black swan event. Nobody anticipated uh, a, a, a pandemic. Nobody anticipated what that would mean. Nobody anticipated lockdown of countries, inability to travel, not being able to see family members, not being able to engage in business in the normal fashion, not to be able to to, um, to worship in the normal fashion. So, so many things that we didn't anticipate. So we couldn't control it, right? As much as we may believe that the way it was controlled was wrong, doesn't change the fact that we did not get to control the process. So was this a humbling moment, do you think, for yourself, for people around you, for those who you know, a humbling lesson that we really are not in control and perhaps we should think a little bit more carefully when we try so hard to plan out that perfect life? Or could it be that it has created a, an, a craving? I don't want to say the word addiction because that's probably too strong. But has this possibly generated in us a craving for control that perhaps we haven't ever had before? Because we're so concerned. We're so worried about loss of life or loss of livelihood. Because we're so worried about the long-term effects of either the disease or the lockdown. Or in some cases, people are concerned about the long-term effect of the vaccination. We're not going to have that debate, even though somebody last week asked me that we should discuss it on the show. I don't, I don't actually think there's a debate. I really don't think there's a debate. You go to your doctor. You ask your doctor what to do with your life in every other medical sphere. You ask your doctor what to do about being vaccinated. And that's it. That's where the conversation starts and ends. And we have a responsibility as far as the Torah is concerned to follow medical advice. End of story. So let's not have that debate now. But people are really concerned about trying to control outcomes, trying to control the future. So it's not new. It's not something that started once there was COVID something that's been part and parcel of the human experience for some time already, certainly in the modern world. And you could probably argue that as the world has modernized, so the urge to control has increased. Or maybe a better way to say it is, as the world has modernized, so the expectation of control has increased. Because if you think about it, let's say you'd get into a time machine and go back 300 years and you'd live in an agricultural society, as, by the way, some people today still do. So if you lived in an agricultural society, let's say you were a subsistence farmer, you didn't have the expectation of control. You didn't believe that you were the master of your livelihood because you plowed that field, took the seeds and planted them in the field, and then it was out of your hands. Whatever happened next was beyond you. You did not get to choose if it would or wouldn't rain at the right time. You did not get to choose if there would or wouldn't be pests in the crop this year. You did not get to choose if there would or wouldn't be a devastating fire. You didn't get to choose if the neighboring town sent over a bunch of marauders and they stole your grain. So, as the Talmud puts it, 
the attitude of the farmer is actually a template for faith. The Talmud says, Ma'amin That the attitude of the farmer as he plants, as he puts that seed into the ground, is that it's a statement of faith. It's a statement of faith in God. It's a statement of relinquishing control. And now I'll go and I'll pray and hope that everything turns out well. In fact, another just another interesting angle and insight on this, the Talmud speaks about the idea if somebody goes to measure up how much grain they have in their granary. So it's the end of the harvest season. And for practical reasons, you need to know how good was the harvest, how much do we have for the coming months. So there was a tradition that before you went to measure up how much grain you had, there was a special prayer to say, God, please send blessing within this granary, within this area of of food. So the Talmud says that if you had already begun the process and you were already in the the silo and now you were measuring up how how much grain there is, if at that point in time you prayed, please God, bless this yield, that would be considered a misguided blessing, taking God's name in vain. Why? Because once you already know the information or you've begun to quantify the information, it's too late to now ask for blessings from God. Now, the converse is also true. Before you have that quantification, before you know exactly what you're dealing with, that's when you do pray to God. And that's how it was. It's only with the advent of technology and modernity that we have this illusion or perhaps delusion of control. So my question is, the whole COVID experience, has it increased our sense of acceptance? Okay, I'm not in control. Or has it made us more desperate to try to be in control? I would love to hear your experience. You can speak on social media, Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, it's at FM at Rabashish. Otherwise, you could send a Telegram message on 0618951019 or SMS 34519. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Yo, and we're talking about how do you feel? Do you feel that control has been yanked away from you? Or do you feel that it's okay? I never had the illusion of believing that I had to be in control. That's the question I'm asking, and I'm using it against the the, the COVID backdrop because it has certainly challenged us about our beliefs and about our thinking and, and about our sense of being in control. So that's that's the question. And, and why do I say technology has created this illusion? And, and you may, may argue, may say it's always been there. And maybe that's the reason people wanted to create idols, because there would be a deity that they could control, they could shape. Maybe that's one of the fundamental issues of monotheism, is that monotheism says unequivocally there is a being that is so powerful and so all-encompassing that you will never have the ability not only to control that being, but to control the plan that that being has. And you just have to conform and you have to do your best within the environment. And then the paganist thinking came along and said, no, no, let's create a God of our knowledge, a God of that we could relate to, a God that has human-like attributes. And then you get all these stories of the gods and their conflicts and their, their shenanigans and, and, and the soap opera of gods. But perhaps that was a way of saying, let us control the system that controls us, at least conceptually, in people's minds. 
And if there's one thing that sits at the heart of the whole concept of Judaism, and if you go back historically and you go to the very first person, the father of the Jewish nation, it what sat at the heart of his entire perspective and what he fought for in his life was not that. Don't think that way. Don't believe that you in your human understanding is going to be able to define a deity and by extension a way of life that you can control. Fascinating. You know, you go back. One of the early stories that we're told about our forefather Abraham is the story of how his father was an an idol dealer. That must have been the equivalent, I suppose, of a Netflix or a McDonald's, just in terms of scale, in terms of being in the right industry at the right time. And on one particular occasion, he leaves Abraham to mind the store. And as soon as he's out, Abraham smashes all the idols except the largest one. And when the father comes back, he says, what on earth happened over here? He says, no, you don't understand. There's this woman and she passed by and she had an offering for the idols and it generated this huge conflict and they fought it out and the biggest idol won. And, and that's why he's the only one standing. And of course, the father immediately saw how ludicrous this was. And while it's a cute story, and of course, it exposes the nonsensical nature of the whole pagan concept. But what he really does is, he says, you've got a shop with idols in it. Think about that. Those are idols that you've crafted with your hands. That means to say, you have designed a controller of your system that you control. <laughs> you've created this illusion of control. And that's what we've got to smash. First step as being Abraham is to smash that illusion. So it's fundamental. It's an axiomatic principle of Judaism that we don't have control and that God is in control. And therefore, every single morning, the very first words that come out of a Jewish person's mouth are the words, I acknowledge you, God, for having returned my soul to me. Do we understand even how profound a principle that is? Because that's effectively saying, I didn't choose. I did not choose to wake up this morning. I had no control over that that uh, that moment. Yes, of course, we know psychologically if before you go to sleep, you intend to wake up at a certain time. The chances are higher that you will. And of course, you're going to set an alarm. But at the end of the day, you actually don't have a choice. You don't get to choose to switch your system back on in the mornings. So that statement, Moderni, is a statement that is supposed to shape the direction of our entire day. This is a day which I begin by saying, actually, I'm not in control. Actually, I'm not in control. I remember years ago, I don't remember exactly which year it was, but I was in New York and with a group of guys. It was this time of the year, actually. It was, no, it was November time. And we were, we were walking through Manhattan and we passed the Toys R Us at Times Square. There's a lot of kosher restaurants around Times Square. So we went our way to a restaurant. We passed this, this Toys R Us at Times Square. And there was a massive line outside. It was at night. Massive line of people. And the line snaked all the way around the block. And you understand how large a New York block is. And why were they there? Because PlayStation, I think it was PlayStation, was coming out with a new console. And the marketing, which lit up the whole of Times Square, the marketing for this particular PlayStation console that was coming out said, you are the controller. So, of course, the point was that you no longer need to hold something in your hand. I guess in some way or whatever it was, I don't know if it was virtual reality. I don't remember what it was. But the point was the marketing was you are the controller. And, and I remember thinking at the time, like, you're not – you're not the controller. It's not true. Maybe in the world of games, in a virtual reality, perhaps you're the controller. And you are the controller of your attitudes and you are co the controller of your choices. You're certainly not the controller of anything that led you to those choices and anything that, that led you to, to even developing those attitudes, actually. 
that your your initial way of thinking about life isn't really your choice. It's the educational system, the family you grew up in, the uh, financial status that you had, the socioeconomic level that you were in your country, whatever it was. So you're really not the controller. So as an axiom in Judaism, we're not in control and God is in control. My question is, right now in our world, are we seeing people acknowledge that and say, whoa, wake up call. Do you see what happened over here? The whole world was brought to its heels in literally no time. Maybe there is this is time for us to acknowledge that we're not in control with all of our beautiful systems and all of our great technology. The same technology that tells us for seven days in advance exactly what the weather is going to be. <laughs> well, every time I think of the weather, I think of the time, it must have been about two years ago, where I was standing taking a video in the rain of the weather forecast saying clear skies. <laughs> that, you know, we, we've, we've bought into this illusion. Yes, of course we are. We have better means of, te- of technology and therefore better means of predicting how things are supposed to be. And, 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 but at the end of the day, there will always be black swan events. There always will be things that we cannot anticipate. So the illusion of control that modernity has given us, I click a button and things happen. I go on the internet and punch in a few things. The next thing, an hour later, something's delivered to my door and I've got food or I've got groceries or I can go clothes shopping. And maybe even now, like they're launching in Tel Aviv, it will be delivered by drone or whatever the case is. So we have this illusion of control. If I want to go somewhere, I get into a vehicle and I drive there. If I want to travel overseas, I get onto the internet and I book a ticket and I go. It's not like it used to be where you had to worry about the weather and getting a wagon. Will it make it through? What if it's too muddy and this and that? But I'm, like, I'm very much in control. And, and perhaps this was a massive wake-up call for us to say, whoa, hang on a second. Actually, we're not in control. But at the same time, if you have a look around, it feels as though people are flailing as if they're drowning in this lack of control. And they're grabbing for just about anything that will allow them the sense of control. And when I say people, it's not just individuals. You look around in certain parts of the world, it feels as though the leadership, the governments of certain parts of the world are literally scrambling for control, whether it be vaccine mandates or whether it be forced forced lockdowns or the over – the, the, the heavy-handed response to people who don't necessarily conform. Very interesting. It's a very interesting study in its own right. So that's why I'm asking the question. What do you think? Do you think that uh, the lesson of COVID has been, okay, we're not in control? Or does it is it more along the lines of, whoa, 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 we're losing control. Quickly, quickly, reel that in. We're losing control. <laughs> I'd like to hear what it is that you think about that. If you've just tuned in, it's Rabbi Shishla, Fresh Thinking, and we're here together until the top of the hour, talking today about the idea of being in control. Are we in control? Do we control anything? Gary says on Telegram, the only thing I control is the time to which I set my alarm clock. God has control of everything. And that's so true, because setting the alarm clock is the illusion of control because i've set the alarm therefore i'm going to wake up at that particular time really let's ask ourselves this question when last did you oversleep (laughs) or better how many times have you slept through your alarm and of course we live in south africa so we always have a good reason oops i think load shedding fiddled with my alarms that's why i woke up late the fact of that is it happens we're not we're not in control Question is, my question is specifically about the realization. Do you feel that society as a whole, because of COVID, is moving more to the realization of not being in control? Or do you think that people are scrambling harder to try to be in control? Here on Twitter, Cosmic Lev says, it has elicited a greater urge for control for those 
who already have controlling ambitions. Okay? It's a good point. And I suppose that at the end of the day, that's always going to be the case. People will react to things in line with what their nature is. So people who are predisposed to wanting uh, to have a sense of control are likely the people who are going to want to be in control no matter what's happening. And those people, I suppose, who are more aligned with the principle that we're not in control and God is running the world and let go, let God, excuse the cliché. Maybe those are the people who are more predisposed to accepting, as Graham says. Graham says over here, man plans and God laughs. It sounds so much better in Yiddish. A mensch tracht und Gott lacht. Although, I, I don't know, why do we say that God laughs? Is it the laugh of, ah, you think you know what you're doing? Or the laugh of, I know better. You you don't understand. This path is going to take you somewhere better. Anyway, uh, Graham continues. We have no control of our destinies, and COVID should not be a reason for us to be humble. You're right. We shouldn't need something as dramatic as this in order to humble, uh, in, in order to humble us. It should be something that's part and parcel of our personal growth. Absolutely. Mark says the government's taken away our civil rights and imprisoned us without recourse. Mark is, must be in Melbourne because his follow-up comment is Melbourne has the longest lockdown and curfew anywhere in the world. So there, to me, that sounds like Cr- uh, sc- scraping <laughs> how do we say grabbing st- not stompies but but trying to grab control that, that's that's really what it sounds like right that's what it sounds like uh terry says i think that initially we definitely were humbled as humanity and i had hoped for changes in our behavior but as time has gone on i see that selfishness and anger which stems from humanity trying to take control again is still back or still there again he says that wonderful afrikaans expression ya near seems to be the answer to your question yeah 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 indeed but i think that's such a good point you know right at the beginning i i resonate with what terry said because right at the beginning of all of this i thought you know what look at that people actually have been humbled and that's not a bad thing and i guess this is the way of life right that what happens in life is you get segments you get spurts and in those spurts people are moved but let's say a hundred people are moved by an incident could be an inspiring moment could god forbid be a tragedy it it could be god forbid it could be something which is so you you know such an epiphany such a a mindset shift so let's say a hundred people are moved because of a particular event or an incident or a an experience or a talk or whatever it is in all likelihood only about 10 of those people will translate that into something which is more long term and that's probably what happened over here at the beginning i spoke to people and they're like whoa what just happened over here and they felt the ground shaking beneath them and it was extremely humbling and i for one was very optimistic that that would impact the way people behaved and how they would look at life going forward but it seems like the the equation always proves itself that it's only a percentage of people who learn lessons. The nature of most people is to hang on to their predispositions, their preconceptions, their original beliefs. That seems to be human nature. And they just, 
you, you could rattle a person absolutely. They're not going to move until, of course, they choose to do so. So that we do control, right? We don't control what happens to us. We do control how we respond to it. Okay, Terry, very, very valid point. Um, here's Grant, also from Australia. Grant says, feels like our government is in control. Well, ultimately, God is in control. It is surreal to know that our government can tell us how far we can tra- travel, if we can work, if we can have people in our homes, etc. Perhaps it is to remind us that God is actually running the joint. <laughs> I love that way of speaking. Running the joint. But yes, yes, don't you think? Um, the the fact that, that so many of our liberties have been trampled on uh, reminds us we, we don't actually have that control. Interesting. Here's Joseph on Twitter. It says it is, this is interesting. It says it has humbled average citizens, but governments have used it to accelerate their mad power grab, which I suppose is similar to what, uh, who said before, I can't remember who said it, says that, uh, depends who you are, right? Some people are just, are just taken down the road, I suppose, of what they always believed and, and what, how they always thought kind of cements people's perspectives. And, and, and that is what happens. People tend to cement their perspectives based on what's going on around them. Saret says it's made me internalize the lesson that any feeling of control that I had has always been an illusion. So interesting, right? Isn't it interesting? So that's the question. The question is, what do you think? Do you think that this COVID experience has humbled us enough to recognize we're not in control? Or do you think it's just made us all that more desperate for control? Love to hear your thoughts. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. This Shabbos, we're all going to read the story of the first Jew and his uh, journey. The first Jews, Avram and Sarah. And their journey, the journey where God turns to him and says, All right, this is your legacy. This is how you're going to start. You're going to first leave everything that you know. Leave your land the country of your birth and your father's home, and you should go to the land that I will show you. Now, this is not history. I mean, it is historical, but it's not a history book. The Torah is decidedly not a history book. It has historical components, but it is not intended to tell history, and that's where it starts and ends. Any story that was selected out of the history of the time to be included in the Torah it's only selected because that story has a direct, personal, and universal message in simple terms. That means if I'm reading a portion in the Torah, and particularly if it's designed according to the, the system that I have to read this portion now, that means that this portion has lessons that I'm supposed to pl- apply in my life, and I'm supposed to apply them now. So here's a story. You want to become Jewish. You want to become Jewish, Mr. Abraham? You want to become Jewish? God says, and there was no such thing as Jewish yet at that point in time. At that point in time, he was called a Hebrew, which effectively means somebody who stands up to the overarching principles of the rest of the world. Somebody who's willing to swim against the, the tide. You want to do this? You want to be in? You want to, uh, kind of thing? You want to walk with me and be pure? Be complete? That's what you got to do. First thing you got to do is leave everything that you know. Right at the beginning of the whole COVID story, everybody loved the word pivot. You have to be able to pivot. Life has changed and the operating system of our world is different and adapt or the other thing. 
So everybody had to pivot. You had to learn how to work from home and put your kids onto Zoom school and learn how to shop online and find creative ways of connecting with people that you could not meet in person and conduct business without getting on a plane for a meeting in wherever it may be. So you had to pivot. If your business was very reliant on uh, feet through the door, then your business had to find a way to be able to redefine itself. Otherwise, the business was dead in its tracks. Now, pivot is a concept that I think as a Jewish people, we've always had to live with ever since Abraham. So God says to Abraham, you've got to pivot. Man is 75 years old. Everything that you know, he says, leave your country. It doesn't just mean leave your country. It's not just a geographical relocation. Your country is, you know how it is. Anybody who's an expat will tell you there's certain things about the country that you grew up in that are in your blood. That's why you go anywhere in the world where there are expats, South Africans, and someone selling built on. It's in your blood. There's certain phrases that we use. There's certain things that you miss. Don't just miss the magnificence of Cape Town or, or, or the Garden Route or, or the Kruger Park. You miss just the basic, that, that jacaranda season. Those are the things you miss. You miss the, the annoying sound of the ice cream truck or... Uh, I don't know if they still come around, the guys selling the, the straw brooms. You know, that, that, that's how it is. So to leave your country is not just a geographical relocation. It's not emigration. What Hashem was telling Avram was leave the way that you were brought up, the, found, the founding principles of how you think. And then even more personally, you've got to leave the place where you were born. So it's not just about the country you live in. It's the place you were born, the, 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 way, the way that you were born. The... The family you lived with, your father's home, you've got, you got to leave all of that. And you've got to head off into a journey that says, I'll show you the destination. It's quite fascinating. Here you've got a person who's at an advanced age, told by God to uproot everything and go. Go where? You'll see. You'll see where it leads. If that is not a story about the attitude we should have towards control, then I don't know what is. Because everything you know is what you believe that you can use to control going forward. It's the reason we make such poor predictions, because we can only predict things based on what we know, which is based on what was. And what was is not necessarily a predictor of what will be. Put it into simple terms. If what was for 75 years of a person's life is that they never had a medical condition, that is a pretty poor predictor of the fact that in the next 15 years, they're not going to have a medical issue because those 75 years were younger than, than, you know, you get it. So that relinquishing of control first means you've got to relinquish the tools of control. The tools of control are the beliefs that we hold so dear based on which we try to forge our way forward. Now, we are all responsible to look into things, make wise decisions or at least informed decisions. We are all expected to reflect, to consult, to go to experts. Absolutely. not supposed to live your life willy-nilly. You're not supposed to live your life recklessly, obviously. But this idea of saying, because I know things from the past, that is going to give me everything that I need to know going forward, actually lands up being dangerous because the investment that i made 20 times over in a particular kind of business worked does not mean it's going to work the next time around so when 
the Netflix guys come to the Blockbuster video guys and say, listen, we're, we're starting online streaming videos. And they say, you're crazy. The video shop model has worked for decades. It's spelt the end of Blockbuster and the incredible meteoric rise of Netflix. So God's telling Abraham, he says, listen, if you want to grow, even at 75 years old, if you want to move in life, you want to become a success, you want to connect with me, you want to truly develop as a human being, first thing you've got to do is let go. Be humble enough to say, just because I know things does not mean I know everything or even close. And then be willing to go on a journey where you cannot necessarily see what happens next, a journey of faith. So what's happening in our world right now is we've been given an incredible opportunity to pivot and to say, hey, hang on a second. Everything that we believed in, uh, everything that we thought would secure the future of our world didn't necessarily work out exactly as planned. So now I don't know how this is going to pan out. Nobody can tell you when life will be quote unquote normal again. Nobody can tell you exactly how we're going to resolve this thing or the, the impasse between those who are absolutely uh, intransigent when it comes to, to vaccination. And so I, I, we don't know. We don't know how this is going to pan out. So, okay, I'm not in control. I'm in control of my choices. I have responsibility to my family, to my community. And then I got to let, I got to let go because I'm on God's train. So what do you think? Still got a minute or two to get your views in, and I would love to hear um, if you have something to share, 34519. Otherwise, you could use the Telegram 0618951019 or social media. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Talking about control, Gary on Telegram says everything is of God and God is everything in existence. So how can we be in control? Everything happens for the greater good, even if we don't understand why at the time. God will always deal with things for the greater good. I absolutely agree with that. Absolutely agree with that. Uh, Wendy says, I think the realization that we are not in control has caused a surge in anxiety, depression, and general feelings of despair amongst many people. And it's been a terrible side effect of COVID. Which is probably true. I, I spoke to somebody today who said that, uh, you know, it's mental health month and apparently, I actually didn't know that, but apparently it's mental health month. And I, I asked this particular individual because of their qualifications, is mental health month chosen to be at this time of the year because there is a surge generally at this time of the year in mental health issues? And he said, you know, but the truth is apparently statistically at this time of the year, there is a surge in depression, anxiety. Perhaps it's because the, the, the year is coming to a close. So people start to feel, oh, we better scramble for the end. Uh, but Wendy's saying that there's the realization we're not in control has caused anxiety, depression and despair for people, which is absolutely true and, and so avoidable, so avoidable because you have two choices. Remember, we don't choose what comes into our lives, but we absolutely choose how we respond to it. So we have two choices. When you get onto a plane, onto a commercial flight, you're not in control. I don't know about you, but the second they close those doors of that plane, the degree of relaxation that washes over me is almost unparalleled because that's it. The door's closed. There is nowhere to go for the next X amount of hours. Nobody can reach me. I hate those flights that have a Wi-Fi. Like that defeats the purpose, right? And that relinquishing of control is cathartic. 
That's one possibility. But why? Because I know that the pilot is qualified. I know that I've done everything that I had to do to get to this point. I booked the ticket. I packed the bags. I arrived at the airport on time. went through the security check. I'm sitting in the seat. I've done what I had to do. I don't have to fly the plane. And I can actually relax because the one flying the plane, brilliant. So qualified. So good at what he or she does. And then other people will say, Control, I, I'm not in control. Oh my goodness, I'm the only person in the world that could actually control things. <laughs> and that's a problem. It, it, it's a problem that we all face, myself included, that need to control, to believe that, that we're the only ones who have the answers. I, I'm talking very much to myself at this point. So I think we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity in this disruption that's happened over the last 18 months to allow ourselves to let go of some of the control that we wish we could have but if we're honest enough, we don't have. And to trust that sometimes you've got to leave behind everything that is familiar to go on God's journey to a destination you can't begin to picture. But when you get there, it's a beautiful space to be in. May Hashem guide us all to reach that healthy, optimistic, comfortable headspace. Thank you for the amazing insights and comments. There are one or two I didn't get to and I do apologize. Wish you a great Shabbos. Stay safe and stay sane.